Welcome back to the Apiangu Line and our Back in the Day show today, featuring a conversation with Marita Rakuski, who was born and raised in Barry's Bay during the middle of the last century. Now let's rejoin our host, Martina Koulis, as she talks with Marita Rakuski about her life and times. In, in my family, there was me as the nurse, so we're going to start at the top. Me as the nurse, my brother Paul was involved with Stedman's, and then on uh, some kind of a managerial position with Stedman's. Then he bought the local Stedman's store here in Barry's Bay. My brother, he, I don't know if you ever go to Sand Hill. Did you ever see a big white house on Sand Hill with pillars? Did you ever drive around there? Yes. Well, that was his yeah. house. Oh, okay. Oh, had, I know which one you're talking he about. He had seven kids. Yeah. Wow. Five boys and two girls. That big, it's on the corner, right yeah. big white house. Yeah. Well, he lives next door and the little one, much like it, but tiny. Mm-hmm. The retirement home. Anyway, Paul Paul was in business. My brother Ken was a teacher and ended up working for the Ontario government. My sister Lorraine was in, in secretarial. She worked for the at one time for the Workers' Compensation Board as an executive assistant. My next sister was a nurse. My brother Terry started out when IT was big. Went to school in Toronto in IT, but then came back to the valley and went back to school and was a paramedic for many years. And my youngest sister is a nurse, Pauline's a nurse. So that was seven of us, kind of. And when you think back to the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, that, that's something to be said for our family, really, really. Well, there were so many of you, you all ended up having like very good careers by mm-hmm. the sounds of it, mm-hmm. so that's, mm-hmm. that's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need to say something about my, my grandparents on my dad's side. My, I never knew my grandfather, Paul. He died young man and left his wife with many children. And she lived in Wilno for years. And then eventually her son, I guess, thought he could do better farming. And they moved to Cobden. So I, we, we were kind of, as kids growing up, us older ones anyway, would go to Cobden. And there's a a division there as you approach going to Renfrew, it's called the Bar Line. Well, their farm was on the Bar Line and my grandmother lived there. And I really have great, great memories of going there and her making donuts and all that stuff that I thought, oh my God. And she died there. She died in that home in that brick farmhouse, early 60s very early, like 61 or 62. And my other grandma Chip here had a stroke. She died in October of 57. And my grandfather, oh man, that was something that many people didn't do. But anyway, she had a stroke and, and I remember saying to my grandfather, there's such a thing as private duty nurses. And he hired private duty nurses around the clock for her and paid for by, by the fam- like by him by him. And at that point they had moved to Wilno to the second farm when the the only boy decided to get married. So the farm was handed over or he was the only boy so automatically he got the farm and they moved to the farm in Wilno. And life went on from there but I remember going from the first farm to the second farm with my relatives that would come from Kitchener and 
the one gentleman in particular, his name was Dennis, Dennis Toloff. He was a former RCMP policeman, so he knew motorcycles inside out, and he'd come up with his sister to the old farm, and I was the oldest, and I kind of got riding on this motorcycle across country to Shrine Hill, across country from farm A to farm B. So those were kind of good memories, and who had a motorcycle around here? Well, yeah, there were a few. There was Omer Conway and Jimmy Conway. I think they were the only two that I, but they were older than me, but not, not a whole lot, but they had motorcycles. So all in all, there's probably lots more that I could talk about. Street dances, yeah, there were street dances on the main street, yeah, mm -hmm, there were. Um, there's lots, lots more I could talk about, and as I say, I could go, I could go up and down every street here and tell you who lived when and where, and who, who the people were. And, and, and if I say that to people today, they'll say, really, Alfie, yeah, really. You should yeah. start, just start a tour guide service and just go around town. And, and say, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> who lived where, who lived where. Well, I'm, even so far, like, I'm shocked that you know the names exactly, and it's very impressive. I have good recall. Really, really I, good. I'm old, but there's nothing wrong with my, I'm saying that honestly, there's yeah. nothing wrong with my yeah. brain. Yeah, for me it was good. It was honest good. Oh, and I remember my dad worked, I'm going to put this in, and as a kid doing this, my dad worked down at Conway's Mill, down here, down at whatever it's called now, down by the water, across the way there was a mill. And my dad looked after the horses and whatever the horses did there, and he had his friend, Gordon, Gordy Ash, he had the other teamster, and I as a kid would always deliver a hot lunch for him, and I mean hot lunch. It would be potatoes, and whether they were fried or boiled or whatever, and meat and whatever. Yeah, I did that. We, and I thought, well, isn't this, that, I, I guess I'm a kind of a nosy, I'm gonna use the word nosy person, because every, anything new really interested me, really did, really interested me. And it was like an adventure, so to speak. Well, I'm going to say something about getting married. I married a local boy on October the 20th, 1958. And the only reason I'm saying this is because you could not get married on Saturday. I was married on a Monday. You imagine telling a young couple today you can't get married whenever you want? They probably say, well, we're not getting married. Probably. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, okay, we'll get married on Monday. Okay. Well, sir, we had a wedding. It started at 9 o'clock at the church, St. Hedwig's. Then there was dinner. And I mean dinner, full, full compliment. Dancing in the morning, live music, dinner. All afternoon dancing, supper. Then there was the night, I guess you'd call it a reception in today's world, reception. Then there was another meal. I remember us getting away from the pavilion I think it was 3 o'clock in the morning or something like that. But for me, it was kind of interesting to get married there because before I started to working at, at the restaurant, as I said earlier, the plebans that owned the pavilion and lived next, well, then they didn't live there. They lived on Pog Lake on the other side of the tracks. So she said, and my mother and, and she were cousins. So Bernadette said to my mother, well, maybe Marita would help me out with the hot dogs or whatever they sold, like a canteen kind. But I wasn't 
Well, I, I don't even know where you bought the beer. It must have been some other place, but it wasn't there. Anyway, mm -hmm. it wasn't there. And what well, it was at the pavilion, but it was another station or another... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I used to think, well, isn't this fun? You know, as a kid going there, helping in the kitchen, mm -hmm. and they had an, uh, all glassed-in panes of glass and eatery where you could sit and eat and have a beer or whatever, and you could dance or you could do whatever. Well, the day I got married, we had all this food, these meals were in this section by the kitchen, and it just went on from 9 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the, the next morning. I thought, good Lord. It, it was all home-cooked, home-cooked. I don't think today you could have a wedding like that or you'd have to rob a bank or something to pay for it. Really, yeah. you couldn't. Yeah. You could not. And when I say rob a bank, I mean, I mean that literally. You know, you couldn't do that. Yeah. And nobody, no family could do that or no couple could do that. Mm -hmm. But somehow we did that. And further to that, I was showing my young sister a pair of pillowcases just last week that were tatted on the ends and they were a wedding present. And she's, now remember, 21 years younger than I am, and she said, where'd you get those? Well, I said, Pauline, I got 27 pair of pillowcases and 16 blankets as wedding presents. That's what wedding presents wow. were. That's what the presents were. Mm -hmm. Like I got other things, you know, but no, not like today. Yeah. Or not like since then, mm -hmm. you know, it, it the gift giving since then has escalated considerably. But anyway, she said, well, who gave you those? I said, well, mom's aunt. It was tat. I still use them. I gave them, well, most of it away. Well, I'm not. That's the only pair I... And I'm talking... Well, I was married in 58, and this is just this week. This is 2000, so that's 62 years ago. That's crazy. <laughs> That's very impressive that you still have them. Yeah. And they I last. I'll show you. Sure. Yeah. That's about the only thing I have, I think. I had a big house in, in the city and this is this none of this was the part. I moved from a big house to this little court. It took some adjusting, but anyway. I'm not complaining. I had a good life. And then I'm, and I'm not a complainer. I am not. I've, I've noticed that. They're beautiful. Wow. Yeah. I was wow. ironing them. Yeah. They're very nice. Aren't they? I would keep them too, so. <laughs> well, there were others. I just kind of kept them. I don't know. I think it was the tatting, because that's a lost scale now, tatting. It was just mm -hmm. like a little, uh, how will I describe it? A plastic affair, and you kind of did this. I'm a knitter. But I'm not a tatter. Yeah, I've never really seen that before. So, so, yeah. So, for me, I learned a lot about people. A lot. I have allergies in my nose every now and again. No worries. Um, learned a lot about people and things and life. Never had, I, I personally never had any children and we adopted our daughter, and we were not spring chickens, my husband and I. He was 40, and I was 35. And in those days, that was old. I mean old. Now it's the norm. It's career first, family second. That's how it is. Yeah. So I, I can't complain about growing up here and moving on and doing things and 
being involved. And as a result of my schooling, I have to put this in. I was a gold medalist times two in nursing. Wow. I'll show you my medals. They're in the cabinet there. Okay. Uh, I was president of the Registered Nurses Association, Redwood Chapter. I've done a lot. I've done a lot. I was the, our alumni president for many, many years. I was a school trustee for 10 years. All the while I'm going to school, I'm blowing my own whistle here, but I've accomplished a lot in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, all the while working pretty well, pretty well, uh, advancing my career. And to some degree, I'm still doing it. When I moved back here, the last time we had a School of Nursing reunion was 40-some years ago. Now it's a few years more than that. But anyway, uh, what I'm really trying to say is when I moved back up here, I thought, well, we need to have a reunion. So I took that on two years ago at 81 years of age. So I called up a few of the, of the nursing teachers that I talked with, professors, and that I still have contact with, and I said, okay, girls, it's time we had something. And we did, we did. We had, I don't know, I'm gonna say 300 people there. Everybody had a job to do, and it was teamwork, and I attribute that to the St. Joseph nuns and to the Grey nuns, because we were very structured and very organized, and had great organizational skills, and I still do to this day. Like I can, I can take something and just go with it. And that, that for many people is difficult. So I've done that since, since I've moved back here. I have made probably 1,500 hats for newborns for the Pembroke Regional Hospital. I have, over the pandemic and last winter, I have almost 500. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> for the newborn, everybody goes home with that. That's awesome. That's something that they'll keep, 100%. Wow, that's, that's awesome. These I just made recently. Mm -hmm. That's why, this is my, I, I make no apologies. This is my reading, my papers, my knitting, my everything corner. Yeah, I, I have a quarter like that too. I have a stack of books on my nightstand. So this I'm... is it, and I make no apologies for it. I mean, that, <laughs> what you see is what you get. Yeah. <laughs> you so, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm really not saying that to blow my own whistle. What I'm really trying to say is my upbringing and my schooling all started here, mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. continued. So when I say I've gone full circle, I mean I've gone full circle. I started here and I'm going to end here. And I'm still involved. I, I really am involved. I, 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 did I tell you I sit on three committees at the hospital? Yeah, you were mentioning that. Did I say that with that? Go ahead. So, you know, when I moved back, I, I thought, well, I'm going to have to do something. Whatever that something is going to be. I'm on my own now. My husband died in the city. So I got involved with the hospital and I sit on three committees there, care and uh, PFAC, that's Patient Family Advisory Council, and Leadership Nursing. And I volunteer at the Bean 
which is fun for somebody that doesn't like food cooking or baking, but I, it's just the social aspect of the bean. I volunteer at the senior citizens. I donate to the senior citizens for baskets, or I knit or do make a sweater or do something. Um, yeah, life's good. Life's good. Not ready to leave the planet. And I just said to my doctor last week, I'm not ready yet to leave the planet. So I guess that kind of sums it up. Yeah. I do have a couple questions just from the notes uh, that I was reading. But that was a great interview. I barely did the talking, and that's exactly what we want. So I'm very You, you didn't do the talking. And I yeah. said that's exactly what we want. So that was the, your life so far is... You've done a lot. It, it, most of it was growing up here, and the rest of it is as a result of growing up here. Mm -hmm. So I do have a few questions, if that's okay. Yeah. So um, you said you worked at, I think it was Ambrose's Waitressing, and you said that... Jason's, 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 Jason's. Okay. Um, and you said that sometimes, you, like, you would see people courting. So what did that look like? Like, what was courting Well, I like? was a teenager, and they were a bit older. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'd come in and sit at the window and a table for two, and it would be no different than a couple today, I guess. If I was yeah. the waitress and a couple came in, you know, you know, yeah. it was, it was okay. It was okay. Yeah. You don't think, has, do you think dating has changed at all since then? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and how. Yeah. And how. I don't, I, I hardly know how to say it. From a health perspective... And you know how I mean that. From a health perspective, from a relationship perspective, from a trust perspective, from a, oh, oh, I could go on and on and on and on. Somebody said to me, well, if you had a boyfriend, oh, I said, boyfriend, he'd have to go through the ropes. <laughs> you, you would make him work for it, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, I would. I really would. I really would. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the way it should be, so. And what was that about Jason's? Jason's restaurant. Yeah, that's just kind of how I came to think of it. Um, and, no, and no, don't call him at, no, 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 nobody would know, they know him as Jason's. Jason's, okay. Mm -hmm. um, so then the other thing that was really interesting, you were talking about the after World War II, the parade and that, and the war brides came home. So it sounded like everyone was pretty accepting of that. Like, oh, yes. They didn't... No, okay. no, 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 no. And, and the one that I mentioned, Mrs. Chip here, Stanny, mm -hmm. she's now at uh, Water Tower Lodge. And I oh, think okay. uh, she's well in her 90s. Wow, okay. Uh-huh. Oh, so we were talking about this health perspective just now. Um, and uh, you were saying that a lot of people kind of have gone back to cooking themselves and things like that. So do you think, this is a health perspective too, I was just thinking of it, but do you think more people are over, like overweight now than they were back then or is it about the same? I don't think when I was growing up we were overweight. I've never been overweight. No, you're very I'm, slim. <laughs> never. And I don't work at it. I just eat well. Yeah. Eat yeah. well. And I say that to my family, and in my own immediate family, none of us are really, or oh, maybe a couple of them would could lose 10 pounds, you know, mm -hmm. but are not obese by any stretch of the imagination. And I preach now, and I always say to my siblings or to whoever will listen to me, I would never, I never wanted to be a public health nurse. And you know why? Because nobody listens to you as a public health nurse. And I mean that. I mean that. 
you can preach till you, the cows come home. Mm -hmm. Whatever the topic is, for the most part, nobody listens. Well, I know even in my program, they tell you one thing, but then you even see your classmates and mm -hmm. most people don't follow it. You no, learn about it no. in detail. So. so what was the question? God, I forgot the uh, question. It's okay. Um, it was just whether there was more people over. Acceptance. Accept. Oh yeah, they accepted those. Those mm -hmm. from Holland, Britain. Mrs. Micah over here was from Britain. The two that I remember, anyway, from Britain. Three, three from Britain, London probably that area, and the the the, the Dutch, Mrs. Chipper. She's still here. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, eh? Interesting. Very it, interesting. It really eh? is, yeah. So, you know, now when we have refugees or whatever, I'm, I'm, you know, we hear all this talk now about black and white and brown and... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All that, yeah. All that stuff. I have a very good friend who's a social worker. Mm -hmm. Works here. Well, I can't even find anything. She was here. Last night, we had a glass of wine, and oh, she's dark, but she's smart. She's smart. She is. She is. Yeah, I said to her, "Oh God!" I said, "Now, how in the name of God do you get into social work?" For she has a degree in fashion. Oh, okay. And you've probably seen her on the street. Possibly. She's very nice lady, always well groomed, not sixty. And I said to her one day, I was doing a little project for the hospital. And I said, God, I'm glad you came because I need to ask you something about diversity and color and whatever. So we talked about that. Actually, it's not really too bad here. Mm -hmm. But there are people here that we, we, can, we can laugh about, it, you know. And I'll say, well, now, if I was in that situation, wouldn't the same person say the same thing and say, oh, that white woman, that tall white woman. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we often describe them using that. Yeah, you're totally that, right. That brown lady. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or that black lady. Yeah. Or that whatever lady. You know? So I think, oh my God. <laughs> my God. So, and I see students here at the university. They must have had a summer program. You know, back and forth here. And I think, well, there's diversity. You know, on the bicycles. And I haven't seen them lately, so they're probably six weeks gone, you know, kind of thing, mm -hmm. gone. Um, and I think, oh, well, yeah, well, it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Good with it. Absolutely good with it. I could probably go on a speaking tour, but who'd listen to me? But there was one, something else I've done. I just sent these clippings to my daughter just yesterday. I orchestrated this at the Senior Citizens just recently, just before the pandemic. New dental health program for lower-income seniors. And I had 40-some people that came to this just recently. And it hasn't started because of the pandemic. And I did not do it for the Ontario government, who's sponsoring it. I did not do it for the public health unit, who's administering it. And I did not do it for the local hospital, who's supplying the space. I did it for the community. So... I, it was a couple of hours, I, you can imagine, I never shut my mouth for a couple of hours, and this little hygienist came, she was just hired, hired by the uh, uh, public health unit, and she came, and between the two of us, we got 
the whole thing going. And the purpose of this was that low-income people, and there's a lot of people here that just live on old-age pension and, and the supplement or whatever you want to call it, and if they qualify, if you're a single person and it's 19, if your income is 19,000 something, and if you're a couple and your income is 32,000 something, you qualify for dental. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so this, this was... I would be sending that out too. That's great. So I did that just, just this year, this year. And when I, when I got this group together of people, and I thought, well, there you go, there you go. And a lot of people probably wouldn't come because they wouldn't want people to think in a small community that they're on a small income or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I just decided that I needed to do that mm -hmm. for the people of the community. Mm -hmm. But no, it, it's not off the ground yet. It's not because... Uh, no, but it will be because they're still working at the building, at the room here at the hospital. So, by sitting, by sitting on the committees, I'm in on the know and a lot of things. A lot of things that are not public or can't be, but a lot of things are public. And that was one thing I thought cheaper, so I can do something with that. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you saw a need, yeah. you yeah. did something about it. Yeah. That's awesome. I did that. So when I, uh, I guess, I guess going back to when you called me on the phone, I, I said to you, well, I'm an old lady, but you maybe not, won't see me that way. I don't. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no. Well, even on the phone, I was thinking, I was like, she sounds very young. Like, am I sure I got the right number? <laughs> so, not at all. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed this. I have. Mm -hmm. And I've had my, some of my family, my brothers, my in-laws actually, say, you should write a book, Marita. You should write a book. I don't, no, no. I don't need that stress or any of that timelines and all that stuff. You know, yeah. I don't. And, and different, I guess, because I, they live here, most of them, mm -hmm. and I never did. And I'm learning now about them, and they're really learning from me. Mm -hmm. I know that. Yeah. Both ways. You know, I think, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh, is that right? Oh, you know. So... Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I have tons of friends, and when I say tons, I really mean that. Mm -hmm. And they're anywhere from Melanie's age, early 20s, to 90. Mm -hmm. Most of them are 60, 70. I don't really have, I only have one couple that I'm really friends with at my age. Funny, eh? Funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean since I've moved here. Mm -hmm. I'm like a... Or I seem to be, and it must be my personality. I, I, and I sound like I'm blowing my own horn, but I, I'm no different now than I ever was. You know, I'm the same old, same old me. I'm not different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, like people gravitate to me for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is. That doesn't happen in the city. Oh no, you don't find? No, no. I don't know, you have some good stories. And even I think the one part where you were saying in the kitchen, you always found a way out kind of Oh. Well, I'd say, oh, yeah, I don't say, and mom let me. <laughs> she let me. Yeah. I was laughing at that because my mom, she, she, she used to be a pastry chef, and she tried to teach me to cook, and it, I was She's listening. a pastry chef. She, oh. Yeah, she used to. Now she's a, she works at the manor. 
But that's what she used to do, and she tried to teach us to cook. And Is she in the kitchen in the matter? Uh, she works as a nurse's aide, so she works, uh, and then she does behavior support work um, with some of the residents. What kind? Behavior support. Oh, yeah, more okay. One -on -one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I remember, honest to God, over the years, well, my mother was a terrific baker and a terrific cook before there was chef school or this school or that school or some other school, self-taught. Well, big family, and she was the oldest. Well, I was the oldest too, but we were like three families in my time. I didn't do it. Oh, boy. And to this day, to this day, if anything comes up, I'll say, oh, can I bring the pickles and the buns and the butter and the cheese and the, you know. Anything I don't need to cook. <laughs> That's awesome. That was all my life I did that. But, I, but one story I have to say with my mother, and my mother was probably older than me, maybe close on 90. I remember coming up here and I brought, I don't know if it was raspberries or blueberries or both, like a basket thing. I, I walked into my mom's house and I said, Mom, we're going we're go to make pies, plural, plural. Well, she knew damn well I wouldn't be making any pies. <laughs> so I sat in the rocking chair and rocked. She made, I don't know how many pies. I went back home to Ottawa with three, I think, and felt guilty. But I'm sure they tasted delicious. <laughs> well, even my sister said, well, don't ask Marina. Oh, God. <laughs> if, we, if she makes it, we won't want to eat it. <laughs> But I eat well, you know, like I have meat and potatoes and vegetables, and I preach that to my family or anybody that will listen to me, but, yeah. you know, and I drink wine, I have a couple of glasses, or whoever comes with wine, and mm -hmm. life's good. I hear wine at least once a day is helpful. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and the other thing that I noticed that was different for me, I was always a kind of a fashionista. And when I moved back here, I was always dressed well, mm -hmm. or what I thought was decent. People would look, where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, my friend came in here today, and she said, where are you going? I said, well, I have a little girl come here to interview me today. Oh, she's taking pictures? I said, I don't know. <laughs> but I have to look decent. And I won't go to the grocery store unless I'm well-groomed. Mm -hmm. That's just me. Yeah, yeah. And I've tried to change that. Mm mm. Doesn't work. I think after so many years, you're just you're used to it. So why change? I remember. I'm going to say ten years ago. I maybe more. Ten, twelve. You're too young to know when, when the, when the, lounging suits. They're not called that. What do you call those pants? You oh, know, like sweatpants. Sweat Sweatsuits came up. Well, they were tucked here, uh, and then they were kind of balloony, and cuffs, and what. And I bought one, and I peered in the from the bedroom into the kit, into the family room, and then into the kitchen. My husband was standing at the counter making coffee or something, and I had this cranberry suit on. I thought I was I wasn't going anywhere. I was just in my own house, and. I came out of the bedroom and he looked at me and he said, I hope you're not going anywhere in that. And he emphasized the that. He never in 50 years commented on what I wore or didn't wear. Ever. Ever. Well, I stopped dead. I just stood there. I thought, I'm stuck for words. I don't know what I'm going to say to this man. So I said, well, holy God, you're just friggin' spoiled. That's what I said to him. Mm -hmm. 
He never commented. He was a quiet guy. I, I was the chatterbox. He was the quiet. Deep thinker, though. Deep thinker. Had a big job in the government, in the provincial government. So, anyway, I went in the bedroom. I took this suit off and I threw it out in the garbage. Never to be worn That again. was the, never to be worn. It was brand spanking new. Can you imagine? And I thought, but he's never, ever, ever said anything. I thought, good God. The subject never came up again, ever. So, yeah, yeah. Funny how you remember some strategic kind of stuff, eh? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. important, but it's not. At the time, you probably never really thought anything of it, and then years later... Well, I waltzed out. I thought I was pretty classy in this yeah. jogging suit. Cranberry. Not. And I've told that story up here to my family, and they'll say, oh, oh, he said that, because he was so quiet. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's what he said. Those were his exact words. Standing at the counter, I can still see him. I hope you're not going anywhere in that, and <laughs> emphasize the that. I actually had a question about the uniforms. You were saying that they were really like stiff collared uh -huh. and things like that. Uh -huh. Did you find them uncomfortable to no, work in? No, just was, and then when I went to nursing, it was the same thing, stiff collars and cuffs, no different. It was just, you were used yeah. to it. You just scrubbed yeah. them and cleaned them and, yeah. Yeah. And I'd, yeah, that's, that was my bartering, my bartering tool with my mother. And I don't even know if my family probably wouldn't know that. They wouldn't know that because I'd have to say it or tell them that or something. Um, yeah, I'll say, oh, mom, you, you do whatever, whatever. It was always kitchen related. Mm -hmm. I never did it. And, and I, there was just something about cooking. And when I would see it, we had no children. And I guess we were married maybe 15 years before we adopted Jill. We were married a while. And I used to, if I was doing clinical, I'd eat wherever I was in whatever hospital setting it was. And my husband worked for the Ontario government and he was the regional employee and he was the, in, in his division was in charge of Eastern Ontario from the Peterborough border all the way to Quebec and onwards. And he was gone. Friday nights they'd bring him home in the helicopter from up north maybe something. So he was gone a lot of the time. And so he ate out a lot too and I, no kids and I could have a tomato sandwich would be fine at supper or an egg sandwich or something, anything, bowl of soup. So I kind of got into that routine, you know, at the very beginning and just stayed there. But he was a, my husband was a tremendous cook and he was raised with five boys and he said it was survival. They were all good cooks. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. He said it was survival in their family, five boys. Mm -hmm. And they all could cook really well. Very impressive. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. He could make cabbage rolls like you wouldn't believe. And cabbage rolls, oh my God, cabbage rolls. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I, no, I, and my sisters, my, my sisters are tremendous cooks. Tremendous cooks. Yeah. All of them. I guess mom switched gears, maybe. She, she you know. knew it wasn't working with you. Time well, Paulina's 21 years younger than I am. Terry is 16 or 17. Jeanette, my sister Jeanette, is 12. My next sister is 9 years. Wow. And then the three of us that are 2 and 2 and 2, mm -hmm. you know, we're yeah. close. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and they're all good cooks, not me. And they know. Oh, don't ask Marita. I mean, that's common 
I'm used to that. No, no, no. I'll bring the pickles or whatever. Whatever. Don't ask me for anything. And and I had a an 80th birthday party at the Legion here. Okay. I thought, well, I'm gonna. Well, that's kind of you're you're here now. You're kind of on the downward slope. That's my philosophy. I'm 80. Okay. I'm going to have a party. I did. There were 45 or 50 people here, and family and friends and whatever. And um, it was no work for me. There were, they Every Friday night, the Legion, not in the front, in the back, had suppers. So I thought, well, isn't this good? Whew. Just sit down. We I had to do a little decorating with my sisters, but not much. Yeah. Just sit down. And I said, I'm buying all these meals however many, and I'm buying the drinks. I put on my own birthday party, and everybody came. Yeah, and I, we had cupcakes and whatever after, and I passed them on to people that were there, and you know, mm -hmm. it was fun. It was really fun to yeah. do that. Why not? 80, 80, 80 is a strategic number, because after 80, you're starting on that slope. I'm one, two, three down that slope. I feel like you, your slope starts up here and average people might be a little lower to begin with. So I think you're so, doing just fine. Using that as a, mm, that's my, yeah, mm-hmm, I did that. I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to have a party. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I had a party. It was really nice, really nice. So it, it's funny how life is different. It is as you progress through the various stages. It really is different. Went to Cuba with a friend and nine, 19 of us from the down east from Halifax two years ago. We were going again last winter and yeah, here come the pandemic so we never got there in March. Yeah, right. this pandemic has changed changed the world Everything. a lot. Yeah, yeah, we never got there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know in September, I'm not even sure our classes are yeah, online. Yeah, will they be virtual or will they be... Huh? I have one class that's in person, but... In my program, we have to like we have a lot of practical classes normally in labs, so I guess they're switching it because like I we take anatomy and things like that, and that's you need to be in person. So I'm not really sure how they're gonna do it because I don't think there's certain things like I know in nursing even there's certain things you have to actually clinical, do. clinical, yeah, yeah hands on. I, and like I think that's important, and like that's why I like my program. Like one of my classes was like literally about. Um, basically like how to work with a patient, how to talk to someone because I find sometimes, I know even at, I'm not going to say or anything like that, but at the manor sometimes you see nurses and like you just need, you need to have patience I think. and You have to be, if, if you're in any kind of giving care, you have to be caring and a personable person. Yeah, yeah for sure, yeah. You know what I used to say to my students all the time? They just look at me, and that was the end of it. Then there was no more, no more nothing. I'd say, "Well, look at that person in that bed there." And I might have six or eight students, and I'd say, "Look at that person." Now, how? What would you like if that was your mother, your father, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your sister, your friend, whatever? What would you like for them if they're the patient? I didn't have to wait for an answer. I didn't get one. They got it. Yeah. They got it. I was probably strict, but I was fair, mm -hmm. fair. And I remember teaching medications. Oh man, do I remember teaching that. And it was to a, a, a mature group. 
and I thought, oh God, oh God. And I remember my husband coming home and I had all these books. Oh, in the family room, oh, no. He said, oh, my name heavens are you do. We never talked work because he was with the Ministry of Natural Resources and I was nursing. Well, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. He didn't know anything about Well, he said, what in the name of God are you doing? Well, I said, I'm, I'm teaching this course here to this mature group, administration and medications. Well, he just looked when I said that. That's all I had to say. So... When I first started that, I thought, well, they're mature, and I love that part. I really, really love that part. And it was to a group of RPNs that had been at it maybe 20 years, but they had to now learn to give medicines. So I thought, they're in gear or mode over here. Now they're going to have to be geared into this mode. Mm -hmm. And how am I going to do that? And how... How am I going to get it across to them one little slip and you could kill somebody mm -hmm. or maim them or whatever? Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh God, how am I going to do this? Anyway, I did it. I did, did, did the clinical as well and, and followed them all through. Mm -hmm. through. You know what? I did the right thing because at the end of that class, however long it was, I can't tell you, I don't remember. They had, every one of them brought me a gift, and I said, I can't accept those because that's not acceptable, yeah. blah, blah, blah. There was a plate with all their names on it, and all that, oh my God, oh my God. Well, I said, I can't, you can't do that. Oh yeah, we're taking you out for supper, and you have to take these gifts. And some of the stuff I still have, little things, yeah. and the hospital that I taught it at, put a dinner on for me. Wow. So I said to myself at the end of it, to myself, I did something right here. Mm -hmm. I did something right. I would say so. And at, I, I, oh, in the last day of summary or something, and there I had the exam, but they didn't know it. Maybe they thought, but I know I thought they're out of school too long, they wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, there I had the exam. And I said, oh, I think you might want to review this and this and... I don't know, maybe some of them caught on, some of them maybe, maybe yes, maybe not, I don't know. They all passed, they all passed, all, 30 of them. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a true story, true story. Anyway, I thought, oh my God, oh, oh, Lord. Yeah, but they were a mature group, and that's very different than dealing with 17-year-olds. Because they've been practicing for so long and doing things certain ways, yeah. I can understand that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, healthcare is, I don't know, I find it a very interesting field. There's a lot you need to put into it and consider. It's not just knowledge. You need to have more than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I've had, yeah, for me, for me, I'm a positive lady. I'm rarely negative. Rarer. Um, all of us sometimes whine and complain. I, I, I try not to do that because that doesn't get you anywhere, really. Mm -hmm. Being stressed out or being negative or positive works better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I try to, I have a little friend that's having some troubles and I, I just say, you gotta, you got to do this. And I read a book on how to make things better and I flagged a lot of it just overnight. I read the book mm -hmm. in a day. So I said, now this is what you have to do to be positive and to, you know, look at things differently. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm a reader. 
Me I too, am. me too. When you said that, I was like, yep, I know the feeling. I read lots too. And I, if I get into a book, look at the caption on that book. That's, that defines me. <laughs> that's, I think my mom actually has that book at home. Does she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a funny book. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought, hmm, yeah, if I get into a book and if I really like it, I'll do anything to finish it. Mm -hmm. And some nights I'm in my bedroom there till two in the morning, you know, reading. I think, oh, I better go to bed. You know, yeah. better turn out the light here and go to bed, kind of. But not not a lot of people are readers. No. I I don't know where I developed that. Probably in nursing because it was so darn concentrated and so. Yeah, mm -hmm. probably, mm -hmm. probably. And if you, well, how else would you get it? Because there was no. TV stuff, and there was no, there might have been a projector, you know what I mean, would you even know what I mean by projector? We had those okay. in school, yeah. Yeah, you know, project yeah. something on the wall, or on a curtain, or on a, mm -hmm. I don't even remember that. So, you just had to do it, you know, mm -hmm. and I was the learner by doing. I'm the same way, yeah. I have to, if somebody says, now look at this, it's so easy, blah, blah, I'll say, give it to me, show me, I have to do it. And don't go anywhere because you have to be right here while I'm doing it. That's the kind, you know, like a real, a real doer mm -hmm. to learn. Mm -hmm. Like let's in, in nursing, let's say catheterization. Well, that's complicated. Yeah, you, know? you want to make sure you know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can read ten books and still not know which hole is right, you know, mm -hmm. or you do it. And if you do it, then you've got it. Most yeah. people, anyway. Yeah. Maybe not all, but most people, yeah, mm -hmm. would, would have it. So, yeah, yeah, that, that was me, a doer, except cooking. Oh, God. Not a doer in that department. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's oh, 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 no, no, no. But I eat well. You know, I know how to put something in the oven, and I can make soup and make it my way, and, you know, mm -hmm. I can do it. I can do it, but I don't like it. The first part that I want to add to is some people in the town that had businesses, small businesses, and I know the other day I mentioned some, but I forgot others. So I'm going to say the Olszewskis had a service station going, going west towards Wilno. The Chippiers had a, a garage where the bake shop is currently in town. Mrs. Moffat on Stafford Street, I believe it's Stafford Street, had a hairdressing shop for years and years and years. There were two coolest grocery stores and they were both sisters. One was on Bay Street and the other one was on Apiango Street. And Edward Shalla, when he came back from the Second World War, built his store right next to his mother and he ran it as, as a store until he got married and then turned it into a family home and of course the Akabuski hardware store. So I think I've covered most of the stores in the area and everybody shopped at these stores for groceries and groceries that they needed probably mostly staples. So uh, I sort of introduced myself who I was way back when, but I didn't say who my mom or dad were. So my mom and dad were Ambrose and Rose Rakaski. My husband was Ambrose Edmansky. He was, as I said, I think before, that he was a local boy. 
and my daughter is Dr. Jill Lipmansky. A little addition to the school from the other day, I forgot two very important things. One was that on the boys' street, there was the Schegels, and I spelled it S-C-H-E-A-G-A-L-S, and they were Polish people. And they had sons, because the boys were sort of my vintage and together in school. And the house was located where now Jimmy Shalla lives. But prior to that, it was after the store, it was bought by a Mr. Corrigan, who was the beer store manager on Bay Street for many years. And he bought that house and turned it back into a family home. So that was the store, Stiegel's where the boys went to buy licorice or one cent candy or two cent candy or three cent candy or whatever. That's how, that's what was the cost in those days. And on the girls' street, the store was right next door to the school and there was a little old lady by the name of Mrs. Speltz that ran that store and the girls went in there if you had one cent, two cent, five cents or whatever to buy candies. So there was still that segregation between the boys' street and the girls' street, even when it came to buying goodies. I always thought Mrs. Stultz was a little old lady, but the way she dressed, she dressed very European, with long skirts and long dresses and her hair in a bun, and she just appeared old to us, but I don't think she was as old as she appeared, because she was there for years. Now, I want to say something about Lent. And going to church. And this is very significant. I and my two brothers during Lent would go to Mass every day at St. Hedwig's Church. We'd walk there and then we'd walk back home for breakfast. To receive communion you had to fast. Then after breakfast we would walk back to school for 9 a.m. class. Then at noon we would walk back home for lunch and back again to school for 1 p.m. And then we'd back, walk back home at 4 p.m. That was the end of the day. Six trips a day. No buses then. Every child in town did that. And the classes at that time were 30-some, at least in the class. So I'm saying there were 250-plus elementary students because families had large families in those days. When I was in grade seven or, and eight, seven or eight, we were like financiers or receptionists for St. Hedrick's Parish. The girls would be asked by Monsignor Bradowski to come count Sunday collections and enter in, le in the ledger. No doubt in my mind that it was a girl's task. No boys ever went that I can recall. No equality there during those years. Now I'm going to move on for working opportunities for the men in town were the following. Murray Brothers Mill in Madawaska, McCrae's in Whitney, Jack Conway's on the shore of Lakeshore Drive now, to the right of Lakeshore Drive as you're driving down Lakeshore Drive, though he had a sawmill there, Pastways Lumber in Cumbermere, and Omanic's Lumber Mill in Bonecheer. Winters were often spent in the bush in logging camps. I just want to say something about some girls, young ladies, I suppose I shouldn't say girls, from a farm that, and they lived in Siberia. 
And I was just maybe grade two, three, four in those years. And these women were growing up, and they came from a farm, and I never knew where they went to school, probably a little schoolhouse out in Siberia way. Anyway, in that family there were, oh, I'm going to say two or three nurses, definitely, and one of them was a St. Joseph nun. And I often thought, now, hmm, what guidance, and where did they get guidance from? Obviously it was from their family environment. And how could somebody that lived way out in Siberia, it is Siberia, and I'm not talking Russia, Siberia, I'm talking very space Siberia, uh, how a family in those days, when I was eight or nine, could have these educated people? And how would they know where to go to school? And how and how and how. So somewhere along the line there wasn't guidance in school but there was certainly guidance in the home. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about acreage. My uncle Joe Retza and my aunt Mary Retza owned the farm currently owned by traders. Way back when, when we were little, dad and mom and the boys often cut through the bush to visit on Sunday. By where the metro store is now. That was my own shortcut. There were no houses anywhere around that farm overlooking Kamenitskeg Lake. There were absolutely, there was absolutely nothing until you hit Casey Street, I believe it is now. The hospital is located on the Retza farm. Uncle Joe Retza, Henry Chepesky, and Monsignor Bernatsky negotiated that. What a legacy for all of them. And to think that I was connected indirectly because Aunt Mary was my dad's sister. Now I'm going to talk a bit about the dairy industry. The Paul Masks family from the island owned the dairy when I was a young girl. They subsequently sold it to the Plants and then to the Hoffmans. And currently for many years owned and operated by my mother's side of the family, the Anthas. The Anthas' mom and my mom being sisters. Uncle Tony Hubers married my aunt, my youngest aunt, Esther Chipier, and he worked for the Plants and the Hoffmans. Uh, now, I'm gonna say a little something about my dad. My dad, on his 65th birthday, when he, re when he received his first pension check, split the entire check with his seven children, we all received $10. His monthly check, obviously, back then was $70 a month. My mom, Rose, eventually worked as a, as a dietary aide at St. Francis Hospital and eventually became the, the dietary department manager at St. Francis Memorial Hospital. She was a very active volunteer in the community raising money through activities for St. Hedwig's Church, St. Francis Memorial Hospital, and she was also very involved in the Sacred Heart League at St. Hedwig's and the CWL at St. Lawrence's. Mom was one of the original organizing group to try to obtain a senior center, senior center here in Barry's Bay with several other members. Look how active this center is to this day. In closing, I would like to thank the station keepers and the library for giving me the opportunity to, rem to reminisce about my childhood and growing up in Barry's Bay. 
I would like to thank Martina Coolis and I'm sure many others involved. For myself, for myself, I'm going to tear up here. I am happy I had such a, a great start here and have gone full circle, starting here and ending here. That was Marita Rakuski in conversation with Martina Coolis, host of Back in the Day, as they discussed the social history of the upper Madawaska Valley, and in particular, the life and times of 83-year-old Marita Rakuski, as she talked about growing up in Barry's Bay during the Second World War and the career she made for herself in the nursing profession in the latter half of the 20th century. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and we especially would like to thank Marita for sharing her story with us today. It's through such vivid oral histories that we all learn of the unique fabric of our very own local heritage and culture. I'm Kristen Marchand, and from Martina Coolis, host of Back in the Day, and our producer, Barry Conway, we'd like to wish you a good day and God bless.